Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to the third Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast from the second India-England test in Vizag. I'm Yaz Rana and with me today is Joe Harmon. A quick recap first for all the late risers in the UK. Jimmy Anderson got England off to the perfect start, bowling Rohit Sharma with an absolute peach to knock over his off stump with his first over of the day and then dismissed a double centurion from the first innings, Jaius Walsh shortly after nicking him off to Joe Root in the cordon. England so nearly dismissed Shubman Gill early on. Gill went on to score 100, um, but Gill was given out LBW off Hartley early on. Um, he reviewed it out of hope more than anything, and replays show that he edged it without realising it. There's also a marginal LBW that was millimetres away from being overturned, and an edge that went straight to first slip, only for Joe Root to be standing at second slip. Stokes set aggressive fields, allowing run-scoring opportunities at Ayer, and in particular, Gill made the most of. The home side once more um, looks threatening. They looked like they were going to build an insurmountable lead only for Ahmed and Hartley to strike just before lunch. Hartley got Ayer through an outstanding catch from Stokes who covered 22 metres before taking a diving catch over his shoulder and Patadar fell for nine thanks to a brilliant low catch from Ben Folks. Four wickets in the session for England but Gill was looking good and the lead was approaching 300. Yeah, the first hour after the lunch break belonged to India and Shubman Gill. India's under fire number three moved through the gears, hitting Rian Ahmed for a six and two fours in the space of three deliveries as he sees control of the match, easing his way to a third test hundred and his first for almost a year. England's spinners kept plugging away though, never letting the run rate get out of control and seemingly out of nowhere, Shoah Bashir finally got the breakthrough when Gill's attempted reverse sweep flicked off his glove and was taken by Ben Folks, DRS overturning the original not-out decision. Axel Patel followed four overs later when he was trapped LBW by a skiddy delivery from Tom Hartley, which scuttled along the floor. Umpire Gaffney turned down England's appeals, but DRS again intervened to send Patel on his way, dismissed for 45 to leave India, 220 for six, and the lead at 363. 
Batting cautiously, they had extended their lead to 370 by the tea break, but England's perseverance and Ben Stokes's relentless optimism had kept the dreamers dreaming. Yep, and England had more to celebrate just after the tea break as well. Ahmed struck straight off the break with Barrett tamely pulling one, um, pulling a long hop to mid on uh, before Cooldeep skied one off Hartley. Ashwin was dropped by Crawley at slip on four and was able to provide some resistance. But in a partnership that took quite a long time with Boomer, he put on 26 for the ninth wicket, all the runs coming off Ashwin's bat before both fell in consecutive overs with the lead on 398. England were left needing 399 to win with 14 overs left in the day, potentially a very tricky period, but they finished it on 67 for one with Duckett the only wicket to fall for 28 late in the day, defending again to Ashwin. Rahan Ahmed came out to bat at number three and he finished the day on nine not out off eight balls. Joe, like in Hyderabad, an outstanding day for England on day three to just about give themselves a chance going into day four. Does it? Are we really Are we really saying that? I guess we are these days, but it's probably the greatest testament to what Ben Stokes has done with this England side yet that so many people still believe that this test match is alive. Uh, I think England's highest successful chase in India prior to this game is, is 208, is it? I think. Yeah, in, in Delhi 50 years ago. Yeah. Uh, no one has ever made 400 in a successful fourth innings run chase in India. And yet, and yet it still feels like England aren't completely out of this game. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's amazing what Ben Stokes has, has done for the game, that we are all sensible people are saying that England can chase down, potentially chase down this target uh, against an Indian attack featuring Bumrah and Ashwin uh, on a admittedly fourth day rather than a fifth day pitch. But, uh, they've got one hell of a job ahead of them that they're going to do it. Yeah, and it's not just mugs like us that think England have a <laughs> chance. Shubman Gill at the end of play, you know, just after scoring 100, he's asked after play, what do you what do you make of India's chances? And he says it's 70-30 India. I think even the most optimistic England fan will have England's chances at lower than 30%. And it's quite interesting he said that because Alistair Cook in the TNT studio today made made a couple of times made the point that what England do makes the other team do weird things and sometimes play in quite a fearful way. And it, almost just saying that suggests a, a level of um, fearfulness that must help England. You know, at the very end of the day, Zach Crawley was, you know, e even Zach Crawley was, was basically playing out the spinners at the very end of the day. And there's basically no one around the bat when he was just looking to survive. You know, India almost are playing into it with, with a similar view of how it's going as well. Yeah, and I think whether England can pull this off or not, I think this fourth innings is crucial for that exact reason. Because if England can even get to 350, uh, I think Ben Stokes will be able to present this in the way that he does almost as a as a win. And his players will believe him in that. And it will spook India for the rest of the series. It's a five-test series, a lot of cricket to be played. And uh, England are getting a lot of wins some matchups along the way that are really crucial to, to keep dominating. The fact that Ashwin is averaging nearly 40 with the ball across the series. Now, I know you got the breakthrough this evening, but that's a massive win. So if England can, even if they can't win it, even if they can't win it, but they can get reasonably close, I think that's really, really important. You know, at this, at this as the game stands, England could still potentially lose by 250 runs. Mm. India could wipe the floor with them tomorrow and then the, the series has quite a different feel to it. But if England can get close and who knows, even creep over the line, uh, 
then India will be thinking, you know, what what we have to do so much to beat this England side. It's it's not the normal parameters of Test cricket that we're dealing with. Mm. You know, th- there is some uneven bounce, but for England to restrict India to 255 with Leach missing root off the field for the vast majority of the day and a 41-year-old Anderson who looked pretty sore after that initial spell for so much of the work to be done by those three spinners who had three test caps between them going to this test is, is sort of extraordinary and we're saying before we started recording I'm not entirely sure how it happened because they bowled they bowled well I don't think they bowled incredibly well no and that they brought a pitch map up halfway through that session which suggested England spinners weren't really finding the, the consistent length that you need to to prize out wickets in India um I still think India, you know, England deserve a lot of credit, particularly given that inexperienced attack. But I think India are still playing this slightly strangely. They sort of get stuck, but seem to then get out playing big, big shots as though they've panicked. Um, there are there are a lot of players who aren't looking in great nick. Even Rohit, who has looked in quite good nick, hasn't hasn't got a big score. Shreya Sire is under pressure. I saw he's averaging 17 in Test cricket since the start of 2023. So with Kohli potentially coming back for the third Test, he's got his he's playing for his place. Uh, Barak is keeping beautifully, but struggling with the bat. You know, Barak for Pant is is the you know Kohli is a massive, massive loss, but Barak for Pant transforms this Indian side in in a, mm. in a negative sense when it comes to their batting lineup and and what they can do with that lower order. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I think India will think, could we have done a bit more to put pressure on that inexperienced, particularly in that second session where they only lost two wickets, but they didn't go along at a rate that they could have done. I think. Um, and missed out on a few loose deliveries and kept England just about in the game. Hmm. Yeah, I know that Kuldeep Yadav is, is no one's expecting him to score runs, um, but I thought his wicket almost summed up um, India's difficulty in, in, in attacking. Um, there was a bit when Ashwin came, I think the ball before he got out, he defended it. Then Ashwin comes down, has a word, and Shastri said on commentary that he him lip reading that was something along the lines of have a go. Next ball, Cool Leap has a go and is out. And I think obviously England play an attacking brand of cricket, but I think there is a method there. It's not that it's not totally premeditated. They they know what they're trying to hit. Whereas with India, sometimes it's almost like it's just a decision that doesn't take into consideration what the actual ball is that that is sent down towards them. And I also thought, you know, it was one hell of a collapse. 211 for four to 255 all out. Gill was, was looking really good at that point. And the, the wicket of Gill, I thought, was quite interesting as well because it was one of those moments where Soaks just does something weird in the field to try and create something out of nothing. So I think he had six men on the leg side to Bashir. Gill, who's brilliant down the ground, doesn't really sweep or reverse sweep that much. Tried to play a reverse sweep because that's where the gap in the field was on, on the offside. And then he's out and that's a wicket from nowhere in England have an opening. Um, this, this happens quite a lot with England where they are miles behind in games and just a weird... The opposition feels like they're going nowhere and they're not quite sure what to do in response to what England are doing. And suddenly England are back in it, even if they are still, you know, outsiders at this stage. Yeah. And as I said in, in my little roundup of session two, it's that relentless optimism. It must be very hard to play against when you've essentially beaten a side, but they don't believe they're beaten. And and then you have to kind of beat them again. And, and we saw that in the first test where England came back when they had absolutely no right to do so. This is an even bigger challenge they've got ahead of them. But But still... India will think, how do we how do we shake them off? How do we actually finish them off? And I think um, there is a, a timidity sometimes to India's play, which is being exaggerated by what England are doing. I think we saw that 
at times during the Ashes where Australia looked quite negative, not necessarily because they were playing negative test cricket as we used to understand it, but just in comparison to what England mm. are doing and trying and being full of ideas. And um, I think India looked a little bit, I know they got the one wicket, but I thought that was an oddly timid mini session from India's bowlers there and, and Rohit in particular as captain. Uh, astonishing really that it took 11 overs for Ashwin to, to come into the attack. If you think of that old cliche who would England least like to be facing at, at that point surely it would have been Bumrah and Ashwin mm. uh, and yeah 10 overs tick by before Ashwin comes into the attack and sure enough he gets stuck it in his first over yeah um a, a word on how England's spinners bowled Rahan took has taken six wickets in the match five of those are, are top seven batters um the economy rate was was under fours which is good going for, for a wrist spinner Hartley once more did a did a job in the second innings four wickets for him and and Bashir actually did a did a handy job as well having been expensive last night yeah I think they're visibly growing in confidence it's great fun watching Rian Ahmed you know he bowls some loose deliveries but but actually for for a leg spinner of his age I think he's a he's a pretty tight bowler I think uh, the amount of one day white ball cricket he'll have played will have helped him in that guard regard you, you, I mean if you just keep you can't bowl brilliant balls and then loose balls because in one day cricket, you'll just go for too many runs. Um, he's actually quite a tight leg spin. I mean, he could become such a good player. I mean, if you think how much his leg break has advanced over the mm. last six months or so, and he's still got that massive googly, um, bowled a beautiful one today, which actually was spinning so much. It was missing leg stump when uh, Stokes went for the went for DRS. Uh, I think it's hugely encouraging. And, and that's, that's the biggest shock to me so far that, the England spinners have been able to hold their own. I mean, statistically, they they are matching India's, if not bettering them in, in a couple of cases. Uh, and I think that's hugely impressive. And again, speaks of of uh, Stokes's captaincy and positivity and belief that he's able to get through to his players. Hmm. There'll be some Indian viewers um, watching or listening to this, no doubt, who will be confused as to why we're being so negative about a team that's in the ascendancy in the game. They're, they're doing doing very well. They're still very much on top. But I think, right, you know, the, the difference between the two spin attacks, especially for conditions, you know, Surav Ganguly tweeted yesterday that India should be producing more wickets like this. It's another very good cricket wicket where all yeah. types of bowling, all types of batters really can, can thrive on it. It gives everyone a chance, which is what you want to see. And in theory, this is the sort of pitch where you should really see the difference in quality between... Ashwin Kuldeep, Axar and England's guys who, who barely played a, a test match between them. For England spinners to, you know, still be in the game, especially with Root not being able to bowl for for, for most of the day. That's um, important to mention as well, actually, because Root is a, almost a frontline bowler in, in this side. So to not have him pretty much mm -hmm. throughout the day and to still be able to get India out, what they bowled him out, what, 2 2.30 today when you take off the runs yesterday or yeah. something like that? Is a, yeah, hugely impressive effort. Yeah, and, and also, I, I, I don't think you can overstate how important that Anderson spell was up top. Yeah. I, I think Rohit and, and, and JSWL, JSWL in particular, basically stopped Hartley from bowling for large periods of the first innings because of just how quickly he was scoring against him. So to, to, to get rid of him allowed Hartley to bowl a lot of overs today. And you saw the more he bowls, the more he got into, into a rhythm and not only just finding his accuracy, but I feel like to, like in the second innings at Hyderabad, varied his pace as well and, and just looked like a, a more confident uh, bowler. Um, what did you make of Gill's knock? Uh, he was under a lot of pressure coming into it. Um, survived a few hairy moments early on, but he was the only India player to make his start count. Yeah, scratchy start, as you said in your little roundup. He uh, he rode his luck a little bit at the start of the day. 
But then when he gets going, you think, how was he not just how was he not scoring runs? Because he just looks such a good player. And, you know, as as balanced as we try to be, I think it's probably fair to admit that we would like to see England win in India. I don't think that's hugely controversial to say. But Shubman is one of those players that you watch and whoever you support, uh, you want to see him bat. And uh, he's just such a good player to watch. I saw Peterson tweeting yesterday, you know, he's such a good player. Don't go on the average, go on the talent. And I think, you know, that's that's absolutely the case with Shubman. I don't know if he was really under threat in the way, you know, he, he was the player people were talking about, but I don't know if he really was quite as under threat as, as was being made out, I suppose, if... Coley and Rahul came back into the side, then maybe he'd have missed out. But I think he'd have probably still just about clung on to mm. his place. Come the end of his test career, I have no doubt that Shumagil was going to be averaging 50. You know, this is this is a, a a bit of a blip of a start with some still standout moments in there. Uh, he's still figuring out his his game, particularly against the quicks. But uh, yeah, he's one hell of a player. And uh, we'll be scoring a few more tons against England over the over the next decade, I reckon. Mm. Well, that's it for part one. In part two, we'll talk more about England's chances going in to day four. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Andrew asks, what's the highest fourth innings winning total in India? I know it's Basball and all that, but do England have a prayer. So this would be the highest successful run chase in India. It would also be England's highest ever successful run chase and the fifth highest ever overall. Um, But I I would say if England fans are looking for a bit of hope, I always think run chase stats are a bit misleading, especially with England, because first of all, for, for a big fourth innings run chase, you need an odd sequence of events. You need a pitch that's good, but that you also need enough time left in the game. And with England, they're aggressive in both disciplines. So the game is almost on fast forward at times. Mm. So there's almost always time for, for some sort of last innings craziness. They also bat, if you look at their successful chases under Stokes, they have more often than not come on days four rather than, than five. And here yeah. they are batting on a day four pitch um, if they're going to win the game. And the, the game will finish tomorrow one way. Well, the other, you know, uh, New Zealand at Headingley uh, uh, against India at Edgbaston, against Australia at Headingley. The bulk of those chases were, were on day four rather than day five. So that that's why this side is is better placed than than pretty much anywhere else to to make significant fourth innings scores. And even aside from from Basball and what Ben Stokes has done with England, targets were being chased that appeared inconceivable in the last five, ten years anyway. This is this is not just a baseball phenomenon. Those those records, they're interesting. And you know, we're talking about them now and they're interesting to delve into, but you know, they're not they're not usually relevant, really. And mm. and, and and like you said, it's it's not just uh the fact that England are scoring quicker in the fourth innings. It's the fact that they're giving scoring quicker in their in their in their first innings, which allows them to take these opportunities on a fourth day pitch rather than fifth day pitch, which is which is a whole different 
Well, it's not a whole different ball game. It's the same ball game, but it's a it's a ball game on an easier pitch. Yeah, um, and it also, if you're looking for more hope, I'd say that not every pitch in India is the same. Not every pitch will break up like the Hyderabad one did. You know, this one might. We don't know, but um, the highest successful chase in India is India scoring 387 for four against England at Chennai uh, in 2008. I was looking the score card earlier today. So Sewag hit 83 off 60. Um, and you've got man of the match, despite getting a failure in the first innings of being the third highest run scorer in the run chase. Um, Sachin scored 100, Yuvrod scored 85 not out. So it is possible. Not all pitches was- will disintegrate as Hyderabad did. Um, I was there for that one. That was my first test match overseas as a as a reporter. India could have got about 600 in that yeah. fourth innings that, that England didn't look like taking wickets after. And that was all, that was interesting actually because that was entirely set up the previous day by Sebag's 80 of which got him the the man of the match award as, as you said. That's what made it possible. And, that, you know, that was, Sebag was playing baseball, you know, 15 years before we'd heard mm-hmm. of it. Um, and and made things possible that otherwise wouldn't have been, and, and that's what we're seeing now with this England side. Do you remember what, what was the chat around the pitch like at the time? Were, were people sort of surprised that it it didn't really there weren't too many demons on it towards the end of the game? It was a flat pitch throughout. Every time a wicket fell, it came as a surprise. That was Graham Swan's debut, where he got Gambier and Dravid in his first over as well. But but yeah. I think Strauss got a century in each innings as well. So it was it wasn't that there were any demons in the pitch. It was just that no one had ever got that score before, so it didn't seem possible. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, maybe that's not dissimilar to what we're seeing now. The significance of 400 is quite amusing as well, as though everyone kept talking about, well, when India gets a, a lead of 400, England, England are going to be in trouble then, as though 399 feels somehow achievable, <laughs> but that extra single is just completely takes it out of reach. So yeah. 399, game on. <laughs> um Rahan Ahmed came out to bat at three. Um why? I, I couldn't really work out, and I don't think the commentators could either. Um uh, Ravi Sastri was saying it must be something to do with root. And I was like, yeah, but again, why? Root bat at four. Yeah, Shastri started that and then sort of lost his train of thought and, and, <laughs> and sort of didn't really follow through with it. Yeah, I I, I is is why even there are strategies and there are also some things which are just for impact. And this felt like perhaps slightly more of the latter. There is definitely the benefit of, and I've always thought a night watchman who can play some shots the next day makes much more sense to me than someone who just blocks out the last two overs and then it's just a sitting duck the next day. Mm. Um, so I can I can absolutely see tomorrow morning, Renan would come out and play uh, aggressively in a way that Oli Pope probably wouldn't have played at the start of his innings. Uh, and yeah. if he gets a quick 30, then that target starts to be chipped away at equally if he goes in the first over tomorrow bummer cleans him up with an unplayable delivery it matters less that it was him than it than mm. if it had been Holly Pope so there's, there's some logic there and also perhaps more than anything it's just quite fun and I think that would have <laughs> definitely been part of Stokes's uh, decision making process as well it's just fun yeah and it worth saying on Bumra as well by the way that because of when the end of the Indian innings fell it means that Bumra can bowl a pretty hefty chunk of the first 30 overs of the innings, he's only taken out the attack very late on day three, and you'd expect him to open the bowling again on day four. So England did very well not to lose a wicket to Boomer this evening, but they've got to go again tomorrow morning, um, no doubt. 
Uh, but that's that's another thing we're talking about this target as though it's a realistic thing it's like we've forgotten how Bummer bowled in the first innings if he bowls yeah. like that again I mean England aren't going to get to 250 let alone 400 I mean that was just sensational bowling and the thing with Bummer is I mean that was him at his exceptional best but he doesn't slip far beneath that like he is mm. so consistent um, I think uh, yeah, I mean, Boomer will be brilliant. It's just what happens at the other ends and whether England can get can get enough, enough of a grip in the game um, and how they play Ashwin, I think, will be fascinating. He obviously wasn't at his best in the first innings. Duckett will be, I think, livid with himself for getting out, playing defensively to a spinner for the third time in fourth innings when he was playing so nicely. And not that not that the ball was there to be hit necessarily in normal terms, but that is the way that Duckett plays. And he, he says himself that playing defensively is his weakness. Uh, and I think that's why he was so annoyed walking off the pitch there that he's got, what, between 20 and 47, four times in a row, looked in great nick. And three of those dismissals have been playing defensively against the spinner, which isn't really his game. Well, Gil's got it at 70-30 India. How, how do you see it? Because I, I, I was thinking about it myself and I think maybe 15% chance England. And and that, I, you know, if based on history is still... <laughs> way higher than it than it probably should be. I guess the one thing in England's favour is just how quickly the game sometimes moves with them when they're when they're when they're out batting. England are one session away from needing 180 to win the test match. You know, they, they can lose two wickets in that opening session, score 150 runs, which isn't that abnormal for them. And then suddenly you'd really will feel the tension um in that home crowd. Mm. Yeah, I was gonna go 10%. I'm gonna go slightly beneath your 15. Mm. Uh, other key factors, Joe Root's fitness. He he hurt his finger today, spent a lot of time off the pitch. How serious is that? Are England just protecting him or is there something more that they don't necessarily want India to know at, at this stage? Uh, that's just conjecture, but obviously he would have been very useful to bowl. So we've got to assume that there was, you know, a, a, at least a moderately serious injury. Um, and the size of the target, 400. Like if it's even 300, you can potentially just race along. 400, going to mm. need someone to play innings of proper substance and it feels a big ask for Ollie Pope to play another one having played one of the all-time great knocks in the previous test and Joe Root I still think is England's best chance of winning this match um, mm. so his fitness is is going to be quite clearly absolutely key mm. um, well so we're saying between 10 to 15 percent chance for England we'll, we'll almost certainly know the result by this time tomorrow cheers for listening cheers Joe catch you all tomorrow Podcast Network.